Hello, and welcome to the Active Exchange Sports Eye Academy podcast series. Active Exchange is a multi-award winning and rapidly expanding data technology company headquartered in Sydney with offices in the UK, Canada, and the USA. Active Exchange provides facilities, sports, and government with a data intelligence partnership, leveraging millions of physical activity and third-party data points each week to guide better planning, investment, and operational decisions, ultimately supporting governance and advocacy for a bigger investment in the sport, leisure, and recreation market. Our podcast brings together industry leaders to share their learnings and experiencing working with data across the sector. I'm James Allender, one of Active Exchange's directors, CEO of the APAC region for the past two years. And today I'm joined by our founder and UK and Europe CEO, Alex Burrows, and John Oxley, our recently appointed non-executive director with a long history in leisure across the UK and my dog Mallow in the background for those that heard that. We're here today to talk about the question, what's our problem with data? And discuss old versus new approaches to planning, infrastructure and investment and the challenges around facility planning and the opportunities that are opening up to make this a lot easier and effective. Personally, I'm looking forward to leaning into the conversation and listening to Alex's and John's vast experiences working in this space across many regions of the world, and in particular, in the UK. John, firstly, welcome to the Active Exchange Sports Academy series. It's great to have you here. Can you you tell our listeners, yeah, it's great. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your background and why you're interested in the work of Active Exchange? Sure. Um, well, great to be here, um, James and, and Alex, and um, really looking forward to this next few minutes sharing our, our thoughts and, uh, and musings, really. Um, well, I, I've been in the um, sport and physical activity sector all of my life. Growing up, I was a bit of a sports nut, and I, I often describe my career as, um, well, I started as a lifeguard and got lucky after that. Um, but over the course of the last... 25 years, I've held some pretty senior leadership positions, um, group operations director of, of one of the leading um, contractor uh, operating companies here in the UK, uh, managing director of Active Nation, one of the leading charity um, organisations in the sport and physical activity space over here, um, and also um, chief operating officer at Places um, um, Leisure, we, we managed 160 facilities um, um, over here for uh, a number of different local authorities. Um, Just now I'm working right across the sector, active partnerships um, to um, local authorities doing um, interim um, leadership roles um, at a time where the sector over here is recovering from the pandemic still trying to work out particularly in the public sector space where it where it fits and increasingly have a much tighter connection with the health of the population so all fascinating stuff thanks john you you reminded me about my first job stocking the fridge and doing the photocopying at the local <laughs> leisure center and <laughs> the rest is history 25 years later 
But, uh, welcome to the podcast and looking to yeah, yeah, listen into your thoughts. Alex, maybe for our new listeners who are catching you for the first time, how about yeah, telling us a bit about why you started Active Exchange in the first place and the role you're playing now? Yeah, sure. Thanks, James. Um, well, first of all, welcome to John, uh, joining the team. Really excited to work together going forward. Um, John was one of the kind of pioneers when we were launching kind of data sharing, business intelligence benchmarks within the, uh, the UK leisure sector about, what, five, six years ago. Um, so it's brilliant to kind of come full circle and be working together again. Um, but yeah, my, my background, so I was, a, um, I was a data analyst in a leisure planning firm in, in London in, in the UK uh, at the start of my career and was the, kind of the data geek in the back of the office trying to pull all these models together to work out where we should build facilities and do we need more playing pitches and and what's the community impact going to be? And just got really frustrated by the, the lack of quality data and then how that was being used. Uh, so I went on to, to found and set up various uh, data companies, data insight companies um, that, uh, that's led to, to Active Exchange. And we launched that in 2018 with a focus to unlocking a lot of data that maybe hasn't been used before, bringing that together, connecting it, transforming it into relevant insights. So facility operators, sports, and, and particularly tiers of government can make more informed decisions uh, related to planning and, and funding and, and operations. And now that's kind of led to teams in, in Australasia, in, in North America, and now we're, we're back in the UK working with John and, and a growing team here to, to work with similar types of, of partners. Thanks, Alex. It's, uh, there's, there's, I think there's a few data geeks out there, but... They all don't, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. I, I failed stats at uni and I think, again, I don't know sometimes how we end up here, but very interested about uh, picking up some of the challenges that you're seeing and the contemporary approaches that you're seeing more regionally as we get through the conversation. Um, we're going to kick off, I guess, with the opening question, um, which is themed around our problem with data, um, our problem with data and the planning of facilities and spaces to get communities more active. John, you, you mentioned briefly the work you've been doing uh, and some common difficulties. Can, can you kick off discussions uh, and maybe by expanding on some of the common themes you're seeing through the work you're doing? Mm, yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a great um, it's a great question. You know, what's the problem with data? Um, I mean, I, th I think first of all, I would I would say that. Having been in in the um, in the facility management part of the the sector pretty much all my all my life, you know, it's not necessarily a problem with 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 data. It's a problem with thinking, and and that what we've what we've done is often ignored um, the data, not not sort of cherished it as much as we we should have done, um, not sought to sort of delve deeply into it and try to understand it, and as a consequence, we. We've often taken the sort of lazy way out, in in my view, in in the and I, I sort of I often coin this sort of phrase, you know, we need to move from instinct to insight. Um, you know, too often I think in all parts of the sector we, you know, we we tend to use our gut instinct to make decisions about things, whether it be from an operating point of view, from campaigns, whether it be from a facility planning point of view, making assumptions about what facilities should be provided um and actually we've not sought to better inform ourselves um in order to make 
um, in order to make better decisions. And, and frankly, uh, James, that's one of the things that sort of really um, excites me about the stuff that we're doing um, just now and why I was, it's you know terrific to sort of team up with Alex and yourself again um, so that we can, we can um, base judgment um, now much more on, on, on data. But I think that we're moving very fast from um, the, the the data that when when Alex and I first met, we were we were really focused on um, facility usage data or membership um, data, and I think we're now understanding that actually the things that influence uh, movement and and therefore um, activity and good health across the population are certainly not just restricted to to movement that takes place in facilities. So it's understanding all of those, you know, how can we, um, how can we uh, grab data insight from different points in order to give us a, a richer and deeper picture, in order to make those better decisions. And and I think um, there is some frustration that we continue to use legacy systems. We continue to use. Um, you know, I think two two things. We we use legacy systems where um, there's some imperfections in the data that we that we um, that we grab, um, and we use sort of broad generic population data and don't really get to. We don't overlay um, and and craft other um, pieces of data into it in order to give us a better understanding of, of what's going on in any particular location space neighborhood and, and what have you that, that those are a few of my sort of frustrations but i think we have an opportunity and i think we're starting to see evidence that um you know we are digging deeper and that the, the stuff that we're doing just now gives us the ability to dig deeper um and to question more deeply um just what is going on around activity and, and how can we influence it, you know, in order that we can get more people moving about. It's a long story. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's a great, I mean, it, just the, the first point around instincts to insights, you know, we often talk with our, with our partners where when we start working with their data, often the data reaffirms the gut, but not always. Mm. Um, and it's uh, sometimes it's the avoidance when it doesn't, um, and that friction or tension that creates can often be the, the limitations, you know, in, in really capitalising on the opportunity and all of this. Alex, I, I know, um, having known you for a, a little while now and, yeah, heard you introduced to conferences and events and your frustrations around this space, um, keen on what your thoughts were listening into John's sort of observations and insights, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, the, those common themes. You might be on mute, Alex. God, back to the COVID days of uh, yeah, talking away while I'm mute. But no, uh, I thought the, you'd be a pro pro professional at this by now, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the title of this podcast really came around from uh, John and I looking at a report and we were looking through it and it was the same kind of stuff um, I was doing 15 years ago where there was really basic data available. You'd kind of 
if you were planning facilities um, or looking to improve how those facilities operate as well, you know, you'd get on Google or you'd do a quick audit and then you'd use some basic demographics and you'd scrape something from Sport England's um, Active Lives or, or Active Places Power. And it would stop there. And, and I'd see this copy and paste on, re on repeat. It would be the first section of, of all these strategies, whether it's a court strategy or a playing pitch strategy or a feasibility study for a new facility or business plan. You'd get that section that would give you some generic information. And then as you read through the report, they'd get less and less data. And then it would be more and more kind of just, like you say, gut feel and you get these assumptions made from, from nowhere. And then you'd end up spending 50 million pounds on a, uh, on a new leisure centre. And by the last section, there's no mention of data whatsoever. And that's just, I find that crazy because we, we live in a, a world now where it's possible to bring data out of facilities, out of sports, enhance that information, match it to information about, about the facilities to really understand what attributes work and what don't in different types of contexts, different types of communities. That's even before we get on to some of the, the new innovations around data and um, you know some of the deep market segmentation. We're going to touch on movement data shortly. But it's I just don't I don't find it acceptable anymore to do the copy and paste job and to to leave it at just a general, this is our area, this is what the participation rates look like. Let's now go and build a, a huge facility or or nowadays, you know, lots of discussion around rationalization and the impact on communities. But again, mm -hmm. if you're just, you know, not using the information that's available, you're I think you're doing your, your residents, population, taxpayers a, a disservice. Um, mm. Yeah, that's, that's where it comes from. That's what I mean, that's where we set up Active Exchange, because it's about putting the right offer in the right place at the right time um, and making a step change in, in how these decisions are made. So that's that's my frustration. Yeah, my now. Uh, it's an interest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got it out. Yeah. Um, but it's it's an interesting one, yeah. And and the Australian perspective, you know, we're talk, we're talking about you know the, the global scenario and regional approaches. But you know, and, and we're having a chat before we started around some of the challenges with utility costs and operating costs. But I also know over here in Australia, um, building costs and construction costs, there's, it's a 30 or 40% change in what was pre-committed to prior to COVID to what now is achievable. So that whole rationalisation piece is a really interesting challenge that's ahead of us. So I guess, you know, it's sort of leaning into that and, you know, well, what are the opportunities? What are the new ways of thinking? Before we talk about, you know, what we're trying to um, tackle from a movement point of view, where, where, where are you guys looking? What, where, do, where do we turn when we look at the challenges in, and to turn them into opportunities, you know? Because listening to all of that, you know, and sitting over here as in my role, you know, looking at the impacts of COVID, the change in government, you know, the excitement around a 10-year Olympic runway, uh, five World Cups to be delivered between now and then, plus <laughs> a Commonwealth Games, um, it would seem we're really needing to make some big decisions at speed to make the most of it all. And personally, you know, in my view, um, for the sake of an active and healthier nation, twenty years from now. So, what, what do we, what do we do? What do we, what do we, how do we tackle this? So, I'm interested in what's happening in other sectors or what is starting to emerge in the active recreation sector. Um, John, can you kick this one off? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, exciting stuff over there in terms of you know, you've got this sort of dichotomy, haven't you? You know, does does um, does elite sport and um, and major spectator events, you know, stimulate um, increased levels of activity at, um, at 
grassroots and, and population level. Certainly our experience of London 2012 is that, that most of the commentators would, would say it, it didn't. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's not quite as, you know, people want to um, often use, look at those sort of um, things in, in binary terms, did it or didn't it? I think, obviously, the issues are far more complex um, than that. But in, in terms of what's happening um, over here just now, there is increasing this this understanding, particularly in the, the public sector, James, where we're, we're asking ourselves, you know, why are we providing facilities in, in the way that we that we are? What are they? Who are they being used by? Um, uh, what are the ways, um, who's benefiting um, from them? What are they providing and who's benefiting fr from them? And how do they mesh with other forms of activity that could well be um, taking place um, across a, a place um, or a, or a neighbourhood? And then, you know, the, and, and what tends to, you know, there is a direct correlation between um, um, affluence and, and activity um, participation and when we're providing the, these facilities are we simply um, making the fit fitter and we're actually not growing um, we're not growing activity part participation and and who are we missing out and can we start to think about okay well what roles do these facilities play in in general population um, general population health can we start to have greater in, in the sport and physical activity sector, can we start to have increased levels of dialogue instead of operating in a silo on our own, patting ourselves on the back, quite frankly, can we start to have intelligent dialogue um, with um, leaders in economic regeneration or leaders in, in education or in um, health and in social care and start to understand you know, can we know that at, it, at, its, at its base, physical activity makes you healthier, healthier physically. It can make you healthier mentally and socially. Um, and what challenges have other um, organisations uh, or other, other sectors, I suppose, um, got that the sport and physical activity sector could start to um, contribute um, contribute to. So as, a, as an example, um, I'm involved in a um, um, in an organization that's part of the um, GM active up in uh, Greater Manchester collective of operators that covers the Greater Manchester area. We've developed a, a program that has been evaluated rigorously by health professionals called prehab for cancer. Basically, what it means is that those who are um, um, getting ready to receive cancer treatment undergo physical activity um, program. And does the participation in those that program then improve their chances of a stronger, makes them more ready for treatment and increases their recovery rate beyond the beyond the treatment brilliantly? It does. And I think that's the, that's the, the, you know, and if we can use data to um, start to, you know, build those correlations across sectors, 
I think we can we can demonstrate that we can do a brilliant job, and that would be healthy, pardon the pun, for the sport and physical activity sector. That's just one example, really, James. Uh, it's, a, it's an example close to my heart, John, with both parents who have battled cancer over their journey and knowing the impact health and well-being has on treatment uh, and being ready for treatment uh, is something, that whole correlation between what we do and the health scenario of our facilities uh, is a really interesting paradigm to tackle, I think, through data. Um, Alex, you've seen this in multiple regions now. You've did what you did in the UK. You came to Australia, New Zealand. You've uh, you, you opened up Canada from your bedroom during COVID. <laughs> what have you seen with approaches to this with early adopters that have sort of followed you on your on your path? Yeah, there's um there's definitely a there's a growing need to put a dollar value. We talk about social impact, social value. Get a dollar value behind these decisions as quickly as possible. But um, obviously, that needs to be driven by accurate predictive modelling from the outset. And that needs, um, and as I was saying before, an enhanced level of data to kind of sit sit within that. And then that starts to bring other stakeholders around the table um, because they they appreciate that there is a, a clearer line of sight to the, the like the outcomes and impacts of, of different options that are being put forwards. I'm just thinking across to, to North America and what's going on at the moment. Um, we're just launching uh, the national infrastructure database there with a number of national partners. So the equivalent of kind of Sport England's active places power. Um, and there's a real emphasis on, on how that then drives equity of access, diversity and inclusion metrics. Um, so have we just got our facilities where, you know, being blunt, the rich white people are? Um, and that's but that, that's only one part. And I think one part is, OK, what about the access? And I know there's a lot of things at the moment around kind of female access to facilities in Australia as well. Um, and, you know, making sure that we've got equity of opportunity um but i think there's also matching need as well it's no point putting facilities or we come on to kind of the active environment outdoor spaces with with opportunities to be active that aren't relevant to that local population that don't match their their interests and their needs um whether that's facilities or programs that are run and there's there's now enough information out there to to bring information of just snippets of things that are working really well for different types of of people in the community bring that into a network and then share that with other parts of the country where they have similar challenges, similar uh, types of communities. And I think that's that's probably the step change we've made over the last three years, going thinking back, back to kind of the basic benchmarks and, and where kind of business intelligence started in the UK. And then the kind of journey we've gone on in Australia and North America now coming back here is, yes, you can create insight and it's useful for the organisation by itself, but really it's about how do I use that information in an efficient way to connect with the partners I need to work with to, to influence them. And by creating, this is what we really focused on, creating a network where you've got a whole load of local governments tied into it as well. So that then drops into you know, their, their toolkit, shows them exactly what's likely to work best in any given location to meet the needs, the social, the econ economic needs of that local population. Um, so it's not just telling me I've got a benchmark or I'm good or bad, whether I'm an operator, a local government sport generally isn't good enough. It doesn't get me to a, a really actionable end point um, and tell me what the solution is and then give me the, the ammunition to talk the dollar value and the social impact and the social value off the back of that to connect and influence. And that's I think that's that's what we're seeing more and more. And that that's that will soon become the default. Um, you know, City of Sydney now can turn on their account. They've got 
loads of sports feeding in. They've got leisure feeding in. It's all flipped over to tell them the impact, tell them what to do next. And across that's growing across lots of local authorities we're working in, um, just, yeah, bringing that kind of information forwards. Yeah, I'd, ha I'd have to agree, Alex, around that move towards the dollars and, and to John's point about, you know, bringing or bringing the correlation to other sectors, but the real importance around the accuracy and the credibility behind the number. Um, the dollar figure is a great outcome, but, you know, some of the things that we've seen with our stakeholders over here is when you get the credibility right around the output, um, that the, the volume of in interest and what it can cascade, you know, the impact it can have over time can really change how things are delivered, how things are funded, how things are advocated. So you know, more of those learnings across the regions, I think, over time. I think also then trying to having the ability to keep those organisations that fund what's going on close to what's being delivered and reported in a way that's you know easily accessible um, that makes sense that isn't it doesn't need to be a thirty page you know report it just needs to be some relative metrics that that make sense because that will encourage them to to fund the next project or the next one and get used to also using the information that made the case in the first place to to make those funding decisions. And the more we can kind of bring everyone around the same, um, I suppose, uh, idea approach to to making these decisions, the, the better. Yeah, we're seeing that over here in Australia with the social value model as a, as a good example of nine measures that consistently can be argued and quantified and, and having cut through beyond what we traditionally call aquatics and leisure. Um but I think, look, I guess getting to the to the sort of key part of tonight's discussion um, around, you know, movement data and this, you know, this next iteration of uh, insight and, and learning, the next frontier for Active Exchange. But really, Alex, um, you know, Active Exchange announced its partnership with Mapbox Movement Data uh, just recently. And it's early days, but we are talking about this being a game changer. Um, you've been quoted as saying... After more than a decade challenging the status quo, I'm thrilled to announce this partnership to specifically open up critical local usage insights across Australasia, North America and Europe for the community sport, recreation and physical activity sector. Great to hear what that, that comment, but Alex, what, what is the partnership? And can you explain maybe the basics so that everyone get a picture of what, what, what you mean by movement data and why it's actually a, a tangible thing that we can we can start to use? Yeah, uh, this goes back to the frustration of uh, writing a lot of strategies, doing a lot of plans, particularly for there's so much infrastructure out there that needs to get people active and, and to a certain extent is that isn't where you haven't got registered use of that uh that provision so you know leisure center i'm a member i most people go through swiping what have you and, and there's data recorded so there's an ability to measure that if you can't measure it you can't improve it you don't know what's working you can't bring stakeholders around the picture and, and so on and some of the other things we've spoken about already so the the partnership with mapbox uh mapbox provide the the mapping solution and the location settings in about forty-five thousand uh smartphone apps okay from the weather channel through to hotels.com through to Strava and trails apps and so on. So chances are you have a smartphone. Some of that data is being pulled up to, to Mapbox. Um, 
what we've done is we've set up a partnership where we bring that now into our, our ecosystem, into um, Active Exchange, and we have a to keep it anonymized and respect kind of data privacy requirements. We have it by a hundred by hundred meter grid across the the whole of the UK, Australia, Canada, and we have an index of movement uh, by the hour, by the day, and by the month. So what that means is all of those. When I used to do a course study or I do a playing pitch strategy or even do, do work around leisure and and you know where where communities coming together we would always stop with okay but we don't actually really know the usage of these facilities we don't in a relative kind of accurate kind of way a consistent way you know I, I get some data from thinking about playing pitch strategy days I get some data from maybe the football uh, county football guys from from cricket from rugby but we know that's only a percentage of what actually goes on or how busy that that pitch is. You know, we, we're looking at some of this and it's you know, we might only have one team playing on there a week, but the pitch is absolutely knackered. It's because of all this other casual use. And unless you can understand that, and this is what this gives us, we can link and why Active Exchange, I guess, is because we can link that movement data to national infrastructure databases in the UK, bringing in uh, the Active Places Power data as well. Then that allows us to understand what are the attributes of different types of facilities that, that work. Is it because it's floodlit? Is it because it's in this type of location? Is it because it has these types of ancillary uh, facilities around it? And then really importantly, we can drill down a step further and say, what works in different types of communities? And look at that, that real local community and say, actually, okay, we've got 15, 20% of the population that use leisure facilities and gyms. But that, that the rest of the eighty percent, where where are they coming together? What facilities are working in those types of neighbourhoods that can be replicated elsewhere? And I've yeah, for the last few weeks had lots of calls with with national sports, with active partnerships, with local authorities, and this has always been such a big gap in the understanding. Is first of all, where are my communities coming together? What's used? What what's not? That informs maintenance. It allows me to report on on capital projects um, to, to better inform stakeholders. But then taking that step to say, okay, well, we're thinking about, you know, are we keeping these pitches open or are we building another center here, another facility here? Being able to get to that level of understanding to say with confidence that's likely to work with those attributes in that community, that, that will have an impact to this kind of level. And we've never been able to do that before. And this is only a recent advancement in the, um, in the type of data um, that's available and the technology that sits behind it. And it's huge data sets that, that we have to work with um, to, to make it into actionable insight. But it's it's hugely exciting. This would have changed everything we used to do back you know, in the consultancy days. Um, and like I say, it comes back to accuracy and being able to talk about outcomes and impacts from decisions to, to move our industry forwards. And, and this is going to be a huge, a huge part of that. And I think too, Alex, yeah, having that data set in isolation would be interesting, but joining it to the bigger data sets that are sitting inside Sportseye across the region creates this power, right? It creates this really translatable, actionable intelligence that is relevant to the market. Yeah. And, and, on, and I think, yeah. Yeah, just on that, I yeah. think there's a couple of things. Yeah, it's coupling it with that. That infrastructure data and that community profiling data but i think just even from the outset is being able to validate it this is quite new mm. you've got to use it with confidence so again because active exchange bring in sport participation data and bring in leisure participation data we're able to check 
the accuracy of this in different settings. So this is already used in, in other industries. So there's a use in retail compared to the spend on the high street, and there's a 80 to 85% correlation with, with retail spend and levels of movement. So that's pretty tight. It was um, similar, it, it followed COVID cases when people were, you know, we were tracking movement around towns and things. You remember those kind of government, uh, what is it, like press releases, um, things on TV around, um, you know, what's driving COVID cases up. It was linked to, to movement. So there's that real strong correlation. Um, and that that's important. We need to go into using this with confidence and know where it's where it's applicable. Yeah, fascinating stuff. John, um, maybe the last sort of major key, key question for yourself. And I, I do remember seeing you share the article and saying the words game changer. <clears throat> Keen to see what why do you think movement data, you know, knowing what you know is a real game changer at, at this point in time? Well, I definitely think it is. It is a game changer. It's that it's you know, I think there are there are two dimensions, two fundamental dimensions really. Number one, if I, if I if I put my sort of operator hat, contract management um, hat on, then um, you know we we end up being too facility dependent. We now understand that it's not just facilities that drive activity but if i can start to develop relationships with um with customers and encourage and and my role with them is to be an activity enabler rather than a facility operator and i can then encourage them to be active both within a facility and outside a facility and understand how they can be active outside of outside the four walls of facility whether it would be developing walking routes as, as we've done in one of the organizations of working with at the moment and cycle routes and what have you and be able to understand um the movement that that goes on um out there so we're starting to um from a commercial sense we're starting to um piece together the opportunity to work to be active traditionally within a facility but also link that with informal activity outside of a, a facility that will be tremendously powerful for me as a as a, an operator commercially powerful because i have a commercial relationship with a customer but equally um from a um um from an infrastructure planning point of view just understanding trends behaviors movement across a place and a neighborhood in order that we make as alex has, has eloquently said much um, better informed um, decisions about what that infrastructure how that infrastructure can work and how that infrastructure could be altered revised uh, um, adapted in order that it drives increased levels of um, activity because we understand where that movement is is occurring I think again is in incredibly powerful. So that, that's sort of my dual dimension. The um, really, you know, customer relationship type stuff, connecting indoors and outdoors, and infrastructure planning. You know, both um, exponentially improved or ability exponentially improved as a consequence of movement data. I think very yeah. exciting. 
I just kind of feeding on from that mm. talk about the the operations side, John. It's just got me thinking. Yeah, we it was a bit of a game changer when we started bringing in data from multiple operators five years ago, and providing some some benchmarks. And that idea of sector intelligence was was really important there, and it helped, and it started to show your relative performance and where your growth opportunities potentially were. I think now with the technology, the, the shift around data, it's around local intelligence. It's understanding mm. what's on your doorstep, what's around you. Where are communities? When I'm not busy, where are those communities? What are yeah. they doing? What are they using? When they're not um, in my facilities or even kind of outdoor other kind of spaces and potentially competitive facilities, where are they coming together? How can I best market to them and, and engage them? And really, that's what I want to know. I don't, it's, it is still useful at sector benchmarks. And don't get me wrong, we active exchange, we do a lot of that. And we do a lot of sector market intelligence and kind of then bring that in locally. But really, yeah, it's just as important to know what's going on on your doorstep that community. And that's what that's what movement data opens up. And, and, I, and I think just to sort of come back there, I think that's one of the things that we've, we've learned that bizarrely, the pandemic, because we were locked down, we had to um, we had to exist in a very local way. We had to <clears throat> keep our locality going just by being in it. Um, so we had local cycling clubs delivering medicines for GP practices and things like that. And I think that there's a a shift in thinking that just as you've said, you know, we're we're thinking much clearly. Um, much more clearly about local type stuff you know things are it's what happens in that place in that neighborhood that really really matters and I think we were forced to do that during the pandemic and I think it's it's carried on yeah and I think the, the those lessons are worldwide is what I yeah. would say and you know I think there's been a lot of really interesting sound bites out of this discussion tonight, gents. So uh, I'm going to try and sort of capture it into a couple of sort of key messages that I heard. But um, I think for our listeners, you've left them with a lot to think about, about, you know, them and their local community as a starting point and how you build up from there, not down from, from above, and really focus on the health and equity of communities across yeah, the, the regions that, we, that we're in um, and, and broadly. So I think so. the key messages that I heard and, and, and I'll ask you guys if any others that you wanted to add in that I might have missed was firstly, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And the idea of us moving from instincts to insights and this intelligent dialogue that is coming to the floor um, by having the right data assembled and, you know, us collectively you know, championing the idea of this whole of, you know, not beyond our own sector, but this conversation along with our adjacent sectors and the relationship between the public and private uh, operations to really ensure that access and influence isn't the, the burden or the, at the detriment of health and, and, the, and, and people in our communities. Uh, the idea of moving beyond four walls and the data to correlate, you know, the benefits and, and dollars not just being important but the accuracy required in bringing other stakeholders to the table 
and that step change. And I think that step change, John, that, that you talked about, those couple of points at the end around, you know, and, I, and I've been a facility operator most of my career and, uh, you know, moving beyond this being facility dependent and seeing ourselves as this activity enabler and that commercially powerful step change to really understanding the much broader impact that these assets and places and spaces have. I think that's a really significant evolution. And then the whole relationship between infrastructure planning, the what, the how, what can be altered, adapted, how do we really pull dif different levers to really drive activity for the betterment of health and wellbeing. Um, is there anything you, you, you want to add, John or, or Alex, to that sort of uh, key messages or themes that came out of tonight? Alex, maybe start with you. Yeah, just I, I think you summarised it really well there, James. Um, I would just say that day in, day out, we're, first of all, we're privileged to work with um, into the thousands of, of kind of data partners, people who run facilities and and make big planning decisions. And I completely appreciate data is not that easy to use a lot of the time. It's it's not great. It needs enhancing. It needs to know, you know, the right approach. And that's even before we we look at all the other data that's floating around in other sectors and the cost of that and what's viable and what's going to help improve our decision-making. And I think that's that's the role active exchange is playing is, is working on behalf of that network to, to kind of bring in those innovations and bring the skill sets to, to then transform that disparate data, enhance it, transform it into something really meaningful. So um, yeah, and then that's that's starting to achieve a, a number of the things we, we've spoken about today. Um, no, thank you both. John, any, any closing thoughts? Yeah, uh, one one closing thought, James, if, if I can. I, and I, I think um, the this richer data um, is um, will provide us with with you know terrific opportunity to 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 shift the needle from a, a physical activity point of view. What it requires is a, a, a feature in in decision makers to be curious about what that insight is telling us. So I, I would end my, my parting shot would be, you know, the, the, the insight is, is one thing. It's the ability to be curious about what it's telling us is the biggie. I think that's how I'd finish. Fantastic finish. Thank you, John. And thank you, Alex. It's great, uh, yeah. It's great to to listen into this conversation as a you know an an absolute enthusiast for growing the pie, not shrinking the pie, and creating a bigger marketplace together. I think that curiosity is the way to to do that, and to really interrogate what's in front of us from a data point of view. Um, to our audience, thanks for listening, and thank you, Alex and John, for joining me today. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify by searching for Active Exchange or Sports Eye. Or to learn more about our UK operations where Alex and John are based, go to www.activeexchange.co.uk. Um, plus, if you have some, some questions or are interested in, in speaking about the services at, at, in the UK, it's intelligence at activeexchange.co.uk to email us. For our APAC listeners, our website's www.activeexchange.org. And if you're in North America, just to finish it off, go to www.activeexchange.ca. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you on the next edition.
So yeah, 